Do you want your glasses off? Yes. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for returning to our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. We are so, so delighted to have you here for all your comments and all your suggestions, everything, your desire to be trained. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Virginia Pradhan, the host of Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan and the author of uh, Saving My Assassin, which is my memoir, my life in socialist Romania, defending human and religious cases, and my work here in America as an uh, international human rights attorney with Alliance Defender Freedom. I love and I love and I have to say that you as my supporters, you are the ones who established this courageous leadership with Virginia Pradhan podcast, asking me to train you to be a courageous leader. And I'm doing this with gladness and joy. And also I love to invite courageous leaders that will share with us how they started the journey, how they uh, maybe encounter different situations in their lives, how God helped them. And today you will uh, hear from a very courageous leader. I want you to take your coffee, make sure you are in a safe, a quiet place, take your pen and pencil and be ready for a great, great message. Our guest is today Lauren Green McAfee. She is the founder and visionary of Stand for Life, and she also served uh, as ministry director for ministry investor investment at Hobby Lobby. She's an author. She will tell you more about this, and she's currently pursuing a PhD in ethics and uh, public policy. Prior to working for Hobby Lobby, she worked for her father, Steve Green, who is the son of David Green. As a founder, Steve Green is the founder of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and I had the honor and opportunity to work with David Green, Steve Green, and with Lauren McAfee on the the Museum of the Bible. She's doing an amazing, an amazing job. Uh, Lauren and her husband live in Oklahoma City, and I have the opportunity to speak at Hobby Lobby and visit them there. And they enjoyed reading and traveling. And together with her husband, they have two daughters, Zion and Zara, through the blessing of adoption. Lauren, thank you so very much for coming to our podcast. Thank you for um, your desire to encourage people and to share with us your journey to become a courageous leader that you are today. You are in in an amazing family and you have so much to share with us. Well, thank you, Virginia. It's super fun to be here, especially fun to be on after you've had, I know, other family members of mine and my husband on, and now it's a joy to be with you today. So thanks for having me. So you grew up in an amazing family, a famous family. Everybody knows your family. But um, your journey was totally different. Can you share with our audience how you started, how your parents and grandparents influenced, but also how you, uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, decided and find, find, find your own way? 
Yeah, it's such a great question. And, you know, for anyone that's grown up in a Christian family, there there can definitely be that um, season where you have to figure out what is it that I believe and is the faith that my parents or grandparents have the same as the faith that I have. So as you mentioned, I grew up in an amazing family with such a great faith legacy that was so beautiful. I mean, my grandparents um, on both sides, both sides of my grandparents have been believers for a long time. And my parents are just incredible people of faith who really lived out what they believe. And it wasn't just something that meant something to them on Sunday, but they were, you know, living out their faith every, every day um, throughout the week. And so I grew up in that um, really amazing environment and was in church every time the doors were open and was grateful to have that influence. But for me, I definitely had to, for myself, figure out what it was that I was going to believe. You know, faith isn't just something you inherit. It really has to be your own faith. It is a personal thing. And so for me, I was um, about 12 years old whenever I was going to a church event and they were talking about the gospel and and really sharing things that hit me in a different way. Um, even though I knew, you know, I'd grown up in church, I'd grown up with my family reading the Bible. Um, it just, it hit me in a unique way and that it was so personal to me. Um, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin. And I I believed in Jesus and in and, and that day decided to to you know, start a personal relationship with the Lord. And so I became a Christian then. And since then, I it's been a journey of, you know, continuing my faith and, and allowing that to be a foundation for me in a way that was personal to me, even though I saw the great legacy and the heritage that my grandparents and parents had, it had now become something that was, this is what I believe. And that was really important for me especially as I grew up and went to college and was living on my own and was faced with either things in the world that conflicted with what I thought I believed or circumstances in my life that were hard that made me question things about my faith. Um, the fact that I, you know, had a personal relationship with the Lord is really what has, you know, carried me through. And um, yeah, so I um, I'm super grateful for the way that my parents and grandparents and family invested in me and um, sh- not just sh- sharing with me about the good news of Jesus, but really living it out in a way that was so beautiful that it was uh, appealing to me that having a faith like that was something that seemed beautiful to me. And so, um, you know, Thank, I thank God for the personal relationship that I now have with him, and I'm grateful for the way that my parents and grandparents um, invested in their personal relationship with the Lord in a way that um, helped to transfer that to me um, whenever I kind of decide to have a faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. I think you you reached two very important points about your, your parents and grandparents and uh, how you are uh, developing your relationship with Christ. Your story is totally different than, than my story. I grew up in, in a country where my parents didn't know anything about Christ for years because when socialists and communists comes, you cannot share the gospel with your own family. So I did not hear, but the good Lord guided me and helped me to find him and to accept him as a, a Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage people 
even those who might say, well, I didn't grow up in a family like Lauren, no matter where you grow up, you grow up in a family, you have good Christians or not knowing anything about Christ, Christ is loving and he will guide you to, to him. For yeah, those who so know, know the Lord, I want to emphasize what you've said, reading the Bible daily and knowing who God is and who you are, a sinful person in need for the Lord. It's so important in our walk with the Lord. I want to ask you a question, Lauren. You see a lots of reports um, about the young generation turning their back to, to God as they go to college. Obviously, you went to college and you kept the, the faith. What would you say to those, those uh, um, young people doing that? And also, what would you say to the parents who trained them to honor the Lord? Yeah, that's a, that's a really important question, and I think one that many people ask. And in my own experience, I certainly, as I mentioned with my, my upbringing, I saw my parents reading the Bible, and I love that you made the point that even if people have a different background, we each can come to um, you know, know the Lord and, and seek after His Word and have a relationship with Him regardless of what our background is, which is so beautiful. Um, but it, it was it was really meaningful to me that I saw my parents value God's word and want to be in God's word every day. And as I became a Christian and began to develop my faith, I found my own for my own faith the value of being in God's word because God wrote this to us as a way of us having that relationship with him. And he he cares about us so deeply and wants a relationship with us. And he's given us his word so that we might know him better. And so um, as believers, we should be reading the Bible and as a gift that God has given us. And so whenever I, so then kind of thinking about going to college and, and young people, um, if they did grow up in church, kind of walking away from that, or really just a whole lot of young people who didn't grow up in church um, are now faced with um, circumstances in life where they're maybe considering faith and trying to figure out what do I believe about things? Is, do I only believe that what is here and now is all that matters? Or is there something beyond this life? Or asking kind of more serious questions as, as we grow up. I think that having the ability to go to the Bible, which is something that has been around for millennia, for generations, and have that the rootedness of something that has lasted for generations as a guide um, for us is something that is incredibly valuable. And a lot of my generation, millennials, and the generation below me, Gen Z, are in America are very biblically illiterate. So, um, American Bible Society does a study every year to kind of see where the American population is in terms of engagement with the Bible and biblical literacy. And that has been on a steady decline for about a decade since they started doing the study. Um, and actually this past year they saw um, one of the more significant drops in terms of amount of people who were engaging the Bible. Um, so a significant drop in, in Bible engagement in America. So that means 
people in America, especially young generations who didn't grow up in uh, a country or in an environment that had some basic understanding of Bible lessons or Bible teachings, um, were very biblical illiterate. And so one of the things that I has been so important for me is having that foundation in what God's word says. Um, I am passionate about helping others in my generation and generation below me to see the value of what God's word has to say for our lives. Um, and ultimately, because I believe that having a relationship, a salvation experience and a relationship with God is what will bring um, peace and happiness and joy uh, in this life as well as in eternity. And so I, I want that for people. So I I believe in what the gospel teaches and I want um, other other people to know that same truth. And so, um, yeah, so Bible engagement, I think, has been so important and is something that, so my husband and I, Michael and I wrote a book, Not What You Think, which really has to do with kind of this theme of helping millennials, Gen Zers think about knowing what the Bible says for yourself, which means reading the Bible, and then figuring out how that applies to our lives and what that can mean for our lives. And I I love the way that God, um, you know, in his sovereignty, he knew the path that he had for us. And for Michael and I to write that book um, first was really such a help for our own lives and experience because um, we we have we're now writing our second book together and it comes out um, later in 2023 um, called Beyond Our Control. And we share about hard circumstances in our lives that really were so challenging and so difficult that it really caused us to dig in in, 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 in an even deeper way of, okay, like we've said the Bible matters. We've said that we believe in God and we encourage others towards that end. But whenever you're kind of faced with the challenges of loss and grief and tragedy, it really puts to the test what you've said in the good times. And so um, our first book, Not What You Think, being so focused on encouraging others to be rooted in God's word, really providentially was a gift that is really for ourselves because then we found that after we published that book and as we um, we became parents a few months after that our first book released and then have had a very unique journey since then and have had some really difficult um, experiences, um, that was a really great foundation for us that I feel like leads into our next book where we really are trying to apply what we've said we believed in a really practical way in the hard times. It is uh, indeed so important for people to hear that because the Bible in many, many, many areas explains to us what God wants from us about family, uh, about faith, uh, about loving your neighbor, even loving your enemies. Uh, the Bible also teaches us that God will put his hand on our back and say, this is a way, walk in it. We are not uh, looking around and seeing, oh, God is far away. God is closer to us. God is right here. 
and ready to help us, ready to to do amazing, amazing things. And even in a hard situation, I remember when I was in Romania in the interrogation room, <clears throat> you know, and beaten and tortured, I felt God in a way that I never felt before, almost feeling like he was holding me in his arms. And, and I know in hard circumstances, and, and even here in America with COVID-19, I have situation where my uh, um, uh, alarm system and my internet connection, my phone was cut off and somebody wanted to come inside of my home. And that was a terrifying situation here because of all the podcasts and all the things that I encourage people. But knowing God, and reminding yourself of Psalm 91, you know, and putting in practice, you know, what you believe is so, so, so important. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because many times people ask, and in fact, when people see us, how we practice our faith in her situation, sometimes People will approach us and will tell us, I want your God to be my God. Or others might never say anything to us, but only in heaven we will see how many people will encourage and accept Christ by doing that. Um, there is any other situation where you can share with with uh, with us. I, I know in an adoption area, you have amazing story and if you want to share with with uh, our audience it will be great i hope they will take notes uh, of your encouragement yeah so i kind of alluded to this in in my last comments but um my husband and i are writing our next book called beyond our control and the 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 theme for that book kind of came from just what we've been seeing god do in our lives over the past number of years um, because as we became parents, so my, Michael and I um, had been pursuing adoption for almost seven years, and it it was an international adoption. And because of changes in international adoption throughout those years, it just took a really long time. And so it was a really hard journey because for almost seven years we were praying for God to give us a child, and doors just kept closing. And so we finally. Um, were matched with our daughter Zion and got to travel to China and bring her home. And we were so excited to finally be parents and to have her with us. And that was in the fall of 2019. And we were home for seven weeks whenever our daughter Zion was diagnosed with cancer. And so we were um, new parents trying to figure out, you know, what that looks like to, to you know, uh, add a child into our family. And now we were walking a cancer diagnosis of a one and a half year old. Our daughter was 20 months old and um, had to have an emergency surgery, had to do chemotherapy. And it was, yeah, just kind of turned our lives upside down. And that was I, probably one of the most uh, challenging seasons I had had to face to that point of realizing just the complete lack of control that I had over situations in my life. There was absolutely nothing that I could do to change our circumstances. My daughter had a life-threatening illness and I didn't know how that was going to turn out and nothing I could do could change that other than to try and give her the best care and, and 
comply with, you know, what the doctors were saying. So in a season like that, when my daughter was facing the possibility of, you know, losing her life, it was really scary. And we, my husband and I were just crying out to the Lord, asking for him to heal her. Um, and it really caused us to have to trust in God because he is the one who did have all control over the circumstances. I didn't have any control over it, but I knew God did. And so he was who I had to run to. And um, we're really grateful that our daughter's cancer did go into remission. And she's been in remission for three years now, and she's just doing amazing. Um, but, but once we kind of got into the remission phase, we started the adoption process again. And, and we were pursuing a domestic adoption. And we eventually were matched with a, a little boy who was placed in our family. And the adoption was moving forward as planned. And everything seemed like it was going to be um, kind of fine until a couple months in, we realized that there was a situation where he might have to be taken out of our home and given um, into another home or placed in another home. And and so we had this child that we had brought home from the hospital. We saw as our son and we loved him as our own. And then we had to be in this limbo phase of knowing that he is our son for now, but he might not stay with us forever. And that was so hard. And again, it was just we were faced with one of those things where we had no control over the circumstance because there was nothing about us that would make the difference. It was all related to kind of the circumstances outside of our control and what the judge would decide. But because it was happening in 2020 and COVID was happening, the courts were all really backed up. So it took the court 12 months before they actually heard our son's case and made a decision. And so for 12 months, we were, we, we had this son who was our son and had to live every day knowing that we don't know if he will be ours forever or for six more months or for nine more months. We just, it was, it was so much unknown and out of our control. And again, we just had to go back to, okay, what do we believe about God? We know that God is in control, yet we're facing these really challenging circumstances. And in the end, we did have to say goodbye to our son, and he was um, placed in a different home, and we had two hours to say goodbye, and we haven't seen him since. And so it was a very abrupt um, loss that we really weren't expecting. And so we had to say goodbye to our son and haven't heard from him since. And that was, you know, whenever you walk through those challenges, you kind of, you're tempted to question the goodness of God, that he would allow something that painful in your life. And what we, my husband and I just kept going back to was what we had read in the scripture over and over and over, which is the goodness and the loving kindness of our father and our God that we knew was in control yet still had allowed this to happen. And pain and, and seeing pain in our lives doesn't have to mean that we have a mean God. It means that we live in a world that is broken. And it does mean that God in his sovereignty and in his knowledge of all things can work things together for our good, even the hard things, especially the hard things, I believe. And so if if this was happening, it was for a purpose and it was for a reason. And God 
could use it and we we could still trust in the goodness and the character of our God because we had seen it in our lives over and over and over in the good times. And so why would we doubt it now just because we were in a hard time? And so it was it was really going back to that foundation of knowing what the Bible had said about God and trusting in those truths, um, even in even in the hard times. It's so, so amazing what you said, because in the Proverbs, you hear David, the King David, uh, many times asking God, hurry up, God, God, now is the time, uh, or not even understanding God, why did you sleep, why did you turn your back to me and everything, and the next verse is, but I remember what you have done for me. Remembering in the hard situation, in the midst of hard situation, what God has done and that he is a loving father will change your perspective from the circumstances to looking up at the heavenly father, loving, caring God, and understanding that we are like little kids trying to understand an amazing God. But that, that I believe that um, our audience will take that into consideration. And when they find themselves in hard circumstances, not understanding why God allows the pain or hard circumstances in their lives, they will look up at God and they will also remember what God has done for, for them. Yeah, amen. That's so good. And you have now uh, adopted another daughter. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So our story, yeah, you're right, continues forward from there. So we lost our son um, in 2021. And then we had been continuing in the adoption process ever since that happened. And um, 13 months later, we did um, get the call that there was a baby girl born and she was going to be placed in our family. And so we have, she was born in January. And so we have now, she's four months old. Um, her name is Zara. And we, yes, love having her in our family and things with the adoption have, have moved forward and things are finalized already. So we now have two daughters, Zion and Zara, and they're a lot of fun. And we're just feeling so blessed and grateful for that. I'm so grateful for you. You know, many times in uh, our our podcast, and if you read things about our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, we said many times that we train people to live a life of significance and success. You can have a life of significance no matter the circumstances in your life, that you have joyful situation and you have painful situation. And you also can have a significant life if you invest in others and after you invest in others and you have this significant life in a hard time and, and a bad time in the valley on on the top you after all you have a successful life with Christ because he told us that he created us to be the head not the tell. He created us to be the leaders. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit that he put in us will give us and will train us step by step. So I'm so, so grateful for, for that. Yeah, no, that's so right. I mean, the Lord does give us, he equips us for what we, um, what we need with what we're facing. And, and often he uses the times when we are weak or feel 
um, you know, in our circumstances so out of control to remind us of his strength and his strength in us and that it's not us, it's not me that can make this all work and it's not me that can um, make these things work, but it really it's God in me, giving me the strength through the Holy Spirit um, to, to, you know, live life and, and to try and honor him and to glorify him and to serve others well. And, and I think the challenging times really help us to rely on God in a way that we, I think we can't learn in the good times. And so in a way, those challenges are a gift in that they point us to more of God, because when all you can do is rely on God, that's when you realize the significance that he's really all you need. And so I'm, you know, looking back on our challenging circumstances, I would never want to have to walk through Zion's cancer journey again or the loss of our son. But I see how God was with us in it. And I see how I learned more about God and his faithfulness through it um, in a way that you know, has now I see has been a blessing. And so hopefully people, you know, that, that are listening, if, if they've walked through challenging circumstances, and I'm sure everyone has, um, they'll be able to see, look back and reflect and see the goodness of God and the ways that he was using their challenges, um, hopefully to create more intimacy with God through that process. And, and that's one way I think we can look at our challenging circumstances and see them as a gift. That is so true. I call many times what we're uh, talking about, the fact that I am a tool in God's hands. And each one of us can be a tool in God's hands. And he can build in us a life that we can ever imagine, much bigger, much more productive and efficient and successful that we can do for ourselves. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming to our podcast. We really love um, you sharing with us, and I hope the audience uh, took notes about uh, your what you shared with us. Yeah, well, thank you, Virginia. So grateful to be here and grateful for the people that tuned in. Thank you so very much, everyone, for being uh, at our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan. Feel free to go to virginiaprodanbooks.com slash comment slash contact, virginiaprodanbooks.com slash contact, and leave your, your messages, your questions. You can buy the book. You can invite me to uh, speak at your event. And I hope you go to, um, to Lauren's uh, website. By the way, Lauren, tell, tell them how to find you. I forgot to ask you yes. this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me on my website, which is laurenamcafee.com, or follow me on Twitter and Instagram at laurenamcafee. Okay, and I hope you took notes. Uh, you will uh, listen again to the podcast and will take notes of everything that Lauren said, and you will go to her website. Until next time, God bless you, and don't forget to send us your comments, your, your questions, and suggestions about people that you will love us to invite. May God bless you, and see you later. Bye-bye.